good morning to all of our people traveling. I know we're closing out fall break, and uh, I know we got people traveling, so for you, if you're missing us today, you're not here, we miss you. I still say there's nothing like being here in person, being here together uh, with family, and it's, um, I was thinking this morning, I don't know if you know this, if you don't, you're welcome to go look, that just inside the office, we have a sign over the door when you leave to come out into the foyer that says it's, um, it's a privilege to serve on this team. And it says, thank you, God, for choosing me. And I'm really serious when I say that. It's, it's an awesome responsibility, but it's an even greater honor to, to be a part of such a great family. I was talking to some pastor friends uh, a few weeks ago in much, much, much larger churches. If I told you who they were, you would, uh, you would recognize some names. And... Um, I was a little taken back as I was telling them about like believers and what we do here and how generous you guys are and serve day and serving at the soup kitchens and uh, light the night and project 216 and all that we do. And they were asking me questions about how we do what we do for their church. And, and it just, it all came back to, I said, listen guys, the, the best thing I can tell you is I've got a great group of people who love God and want other people to have what they have. Amen? So it's an honor to, uh, to serve you and to, and to work with you. I do want to make this morning, and I don't do this often, um, a special request. Uh, Melanie mentioned it in the announcement, and that is the One Step Connect. And I know she went through the, if you've never finished the, what was our growth track, the steps one and two, or if you were here long enough, there would be one, two, three. And if you were here even longer, there would have been one, two, three, four. Um, if you fit any of those categories, or you're just maybe wanting a refresher, maybe you're wanting to, why do we do what we do? Um, we're working hard to reorganize this, or what was our growth track, into this one step connect. Because I truly believe to get people connected, that once we do and get you plugged in and serving and get you part of the family, that my, our whole goal is, goal is to go beyond membership to making this a home. That the same comfort you feel, hopefully, when you walk into your house, you can walk into here and feel, I'm home and I'm proud to bring people with me and I want people to see what God's doing and I want people to see what, what, what avenue God used to change my life. To, to bring me peace, to bring me joy. So I'm going to make a special request. Um, if you're even considering it, jump on, on the app. In the foyer, you can sign up as well. And sign up, we'll feed you dinner. And just come hung, hang out with us for about an hour and a half. Um, if you got kids, we'll, we will have arrangements for them as well. But uh, it's going to be my special request for, for the rest of uh, 2022. I promise I won't make any more as long as you guys respond. Now, if you don't respond... I reserve the right to have another special request. But I know y'all respond, and we're going to have a room full of people um, excited to go serve God. Amen? Amen. We're going to start part six of our series called The Beatitudes. We've got two weeks left after this. And uh, next, we're going to be going into a series, which is actually probably one of, aside from at the movies, which we're doing again uh, late fall as well, um, the You Ask For It series is coming up next. And this year, we only got four. We got four weeks to get it in. And so we're going to be doing that. If you've not heard of what the You Ask For It series is, in Easter every year, we take a survey of maybe where you're struggling in life or topics you would like to have some teaching on. 
and we rank those topics and we pull from that list to, uh, to give you four individual messages on different topics on the things that you've, that you've asked about. Um, but today's Beatitude, I said last week was a tough one, and it was a tough one for me. If you missed last week talking about mercy, um, it really, actually the last couple of weeks, about righteousness and mercy, um, it's really something that I'm still working on and showing mercy. This, this week in the office, um, I was frustrated. I had some people that weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing, and I'm trying to call and organize some things. And I keep hearing Melanie from the other side of the office, show them mercy. Show them. I'm like, I'm not in the mood to show mercy. Like, we're, this is a business thing, and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing, and we need to organize this. And I hear Melanie, show them mercy. I'm like, Ugh, I should not have taught that this week. Save it for later. But the one today, I need you to focus in with me. Because the one today requires, it's harder, it's not impossible, it's not hard, but it does require a constant decisions, constantly evaluating, really focusing in on, on part of our lives. And I want to teach you a couple of things. If you're visiting this morning or you're watching online visiting, I'm going to be a little more teachy this morning. Is that okay? Instead of preach, I'm going to give you some scripture, and I'm probably a lot more scripture than I normally do. So if, uh, if you're taking notes and you can't write fast enough like me, Go on Uversion. We're live on Uversion. So if you download the Uversion Bible app and look under events, and it will show Believer's Church, click it, and all the notes and all the, all the scriptures and all are already there for you, and you can type in notes, notes as well. So we're going to be look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 8. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8 says, God blesses those whose hearts, and it uses this hard to wrap your brain around word, are pure, for they will see God. Now, when I think pure, I think about, um, and I don't know why I've gotten into watching them, but I love watching the gold shows. Anybody like the the the, uh, the, the Alaskan people that are they're searching for gold, and they always, we're going to spend $5 million to get $10 million worth of gold, and it's just, it's mind-boggling how deep they dig, and it's all just interests me. But ultimately, they have to take all this dirt and they have to funnel it down to gold. And then they have to melt that gold and burn out the impurities from that. Then they have to knock off the impurities from what they burn off. And they ultimately end up with this, what started out as hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards of dirt for just ounces of gold. The purest form of gold. And I think in our minds, that's where we go. We think, God, I can't be that. I'm never going to see God because I can't be that pure. I can't not have a bad thought. If you think about the Old Testament, on the Old Testament, under the rules of the Old Testament, even the priest that went in had to go through this very specific ritual, and if he messed one thing up, there's a reason they tied a rope to his foot. So, because if he screwed up, they had to be able to get him out because they couldn't go in there to get him. And so that's the level of that God's purity. And it just says, for those who are pure, they're going to see God. They're going to spend eternity with God. But see, pure, if we're going to go back, and I don't do this, again, I don't do this a lot. <clears throat> but that word pure in the, in the original text of, of the New Testament in Greek is this word katharos. And I don't know if I'm saying it right. That's South Georgia redneck Greek. But it, it has actually several meanings. So there's three things that's wrapped up in this word. The first one is what you, is what you see on the screen here, is that it's physical cleanliness. 
Jesus uses the same word, if you remember in the New Testament, he's talking to the Pharisees. If you don't know who the Pharisees were, they were the basically the know-it-alls. And they were, the, they were religious figures who thought they knew everything, and they, they pranced around, and they wore big robes and garbs, and they would walk through the communities with people carrying their stuff, and they were kind of the high and mighty. And Jesus didn't say a lot of kind things about them. This is the word he uses in Matthew 23, 26. And he says, hey, you blind Pharisee. In other words, you don't see, you're, you're rebuking other people and you're fussing at other people, but you don't see what kind of mess you are. And he tells them, first, wash the inside of the cup and the dish. Then the outside will become clean too. They were parading around in all their garb saying, look how good we are. And Jesus, Jesus in another verse calls them an open grave. You look all nice when it's all cleaned and the headstone's there and it's everything, grass has grown. But what you're forgetting is that you're actually, there's, there, you're dead inside. Then the second thing it means is this, the same word describes this, this ceremon ceremonial purity. See, the Pharisees, again, thought they had it all right. But they ignored their heart condition. They ignored the thing inside of them that God says that, make, that God makes clean. He gives us a new heart. He washes away our sin. They ignored love and generosity and, and serving people. And Jesus goes after them in Luke 11 and actually says this to them. He says, so clean your inside by being generous, by serving somebody else, doing something for someone else. Because they were so, they were demanding that people serve them. They were demanding that, that I, I, I'm, I'm ethically pure because, I, and that requires you to serve me. That requires you because I can't get among, among you people. Can't get, you know, dirty with you people. Then it says in the third one. Sorry, I'm going to give you the verse. Give it. There we go. John, John 13. There's this idea. See, I've confused myself now. Did I skip one? I'm gonna make sure you got it. First one's physical cleanliness. I'm sorry, it's been one. I'm, I'm extra caffeinated this morning. Physical cleanliness. Jesus tells them to wash the, wash the inside. Then there's ceremonial purity. Clean the inside, and, and you serve of yourself. And then there's the third one ethical purity. Now, here's where I want to stay. Stay right here for a second. This is what I missed. This is key. This ethical purity is the dirt we pick up by making bad decisions. That I'm ethically, you, you talk to a, a lawyer, or, or I'll give you a good one, politicians. And they say, well, we try to be ethical. Like, no, this, it's, they're, they're not talking about what this is. This is the purity that, that, is, that God says, hey, this is the sin that I wa my blood washed you from, that Jesus washed us. It's the sin he's cleaned us up from. It's, I call it, and I had it in my notes, I call it the decision dirt. It's that stuff we pick up. If you, um, you want to see a good example of these things, remember those, uh, you used to get them in like the, in the, 
the coin-operated little things where you, as a kid, you go put a quarter in, you get the little egg thing out, and you pull it out, and it's a little sticky, like gelatinous thing, and you sling them against the wall, and they stick, and then they walk down. We gave those away years back, and we don't anymore, because if you go over to Pastor Bob's office, there's about seven of them all stuck to the wall, grease spots, where, and they're climbing down the wall. And, but you remember when, as a kid, I remember playing with those and then being so disappointed because after about two or three shots of throwing it against the wall and it rolls down the wall and hits the floor, right? And what's on the floor? Dirt. dirt. What happens when those little sticky, gummy things get full of dirt? And you sling them against the wall, they don't stick anymore. Why? Because they're no longer clean. They're no longer pure. The, the stickiness is all gummed up with dirt. I kind of see this as that way, that we make decisions, and when we make bad decisions, we start picking up dirt. And the cleanliness that God gives us, it now requires us to do what we would call, our heart is, should be repentance. Jesus says in John 13, that a person who is bathed all over does not need to wash except for his feet. Again, if you know me, feet are what? They're nasty. I'm looking at my daughter down here because we had this discussion the other day. She says, you wouldn't even rub mama's feet? I said, only if she showers. Feet are nasty. Ugh. But Jesus says, as they're walking, hey, you've had a shower and you're clean. But remember, they walked and they wore sandals and they lived in, in the desert and dust. He said, now, you don't need to wash everything again. You just need to wash your feet. You need to wash off the dirt that you've picked up in, in commuting in life and moving from one side to another. And then he adds this tag on. He's talking to the disciples. He said, and you disciples are all clean. You believe in me. I'm, I'm making you clean. But then he says, but not all of you. And this is what he was talking to, the one that would betray him. Because he knew in that group still was one that was going to betray him. So of these three that are all kind of combined into this word pure, let me, let's ask this question. So what makes us pure? Because if the Bible says in the Beatitude, and I'll show you in other places, it says, hey, you need to be pure. The pure are the ones that are going to see God. Then I think we need to understand it. I'll show you back in the Old Testament, God was pretty clear, even talking to the, to the Israelites, to his people. He says, give the following instructions to the entire community. You must be holy. Why? Because I'm holy. If you're going to hang out with me, this is my standard. Now again, most of us would say, well, then I'm out. Because if I told you where I've been and what I've done and what I've said, what I did last week, what I said last week, what I thought about, what I said to my wife, I'm not even close to this thing of holy and pure. That I, you know, It's kind of we tap out. But see, God knew we would never do this on our own and never be able to. So you need to understand this today. Purity is not a result of just good actions, thoughts, and words. Salvation is not ever, can it be, the results of just actions, thoughts, and words. You can't do good enough. You can't pretend to behave. You can't make all the right decisions that get you into heaven. But neither can you make yourself pure. You can't clean the stink off. The Bible says that it took God to do that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, he writes this. He says, you were cleansed, you were made holy, and you were made right with God by one thing. Who? Jesus. 
by going, God, I need you. Jesus, I need you. I need your sacrifice, and I need what you did for me, and I need your grace and your mercy. And those things make you holy, right, and clean. Look what, look what Paul writes again in Romans 5. He says that we've been made right in God's sight by believing in something and someone in, this, in God's Son who had to do something for us so that we could have peace because of what Jesus has done for us. See, what it's not is the result of actions and words and my behavior. But what it is, it's a result of what Jesus chose to do for us. That's a big difference. Now, I want you to understand, I'm not, you need... We talk about pure, but there's a, I'm, notice I'm not saying perfect. God makes you pure, but you can never, you can never in and of yourself be perfect. Did I lose you on that? This is yes, this is no. If you're online, start shooting some emojis because they're not talking to me here. See, the Bible says that, I, that as the blood of Jesus is poured over my life, that he sees through the blood of Jesus, through that lens, and when he looks at me through that lens, he sees pure, perfect, and holy. Why? Because what was Jesus? Pure, perfect, and holy. If God were to ever remove that lens, he's going to see me for what I am in the natural, what my heart and my spirit was, the, the unsaved, the, the selfish, the, all my sin. But the Bible says he doesn't see my sin anymore. He sees me through this lens of the blood of Jesus. And one part of the New Testament, it actually says that when, when you apply the blood of Jesus over your life, that he removes your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And the, another verse says he doesn't even remember it, uh, which a lot of us live our lives trying to remind God, God, do you remember when I, when I was this way? I think God honestly says, no, I don't. I see Jesus, so he must have forgiven you for some stuff, but I don't see the way you were. God's saying that verse says that the pure were made pure by Jesus. But in our behaviors, on the, our life on the earth, nobody can be perfect. And I think we get lost in that. I was talking with Melanie about it this week. I think a lot of times that our intentions, are, our intentions change. So if we're not striving to be pure, we end up being less than pure, not because we're less valuable, but because we just make bad decisions. We, we make those decisions that pick up that dirt that I talked about. We don't understand that God chose us and chose to make us clean. Matter of fact, it says in verse uh, 1-2 of Peter, it says, God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, even in your mess, and he has made us holy. Look what it says in the second part. There's a result of this. As you've obeyed him, as you've made those good decisions, as you've kept yourself pure and clean by the blood of Jesus, God's going to give you more and more grace and peace. And as I thought about it this week, I have people frequently come to me and say, my life is just crazy. I can't find peace. I'm saved. I love God. But according to this, the result of Jesus and that we're obeying him and he's cleansed us, the result of that is more peace and grace. So then I ask you, what kind of dirt have you picked up? 
What, what have you allowed yourself to be submerged in? What have you allowed in those, those three descriptions of purity? Where, where are we making bad decisions? Because the Bible tells us that as we make these good decisions, that if we choose God, you can actually draw closer to Him. That's what we were talking about as we were doing communion. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, it actually says, Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, full assurance. That what brings? That faith. It says, God, I know I don't have this all right, but I'm trusting you to lead me and guide me. It says, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from our guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So if I walk in dirty, who makes me clean? Me or God? Let's try that again. I think Todd's the only one in God. If I walk in dirty, who makes me clean? Me or God? See, we try to make these decisions. And this is later in my notes, and I'm going to repeat it again. But I want to say this now. If you want to know why we tell people, and if you're new to believers, we tell people constantly, don't try to get cleaned up out there. I have people tell me all the time, well, Clint, I'm, I'm a, I have this addiction, I have this issue, I have this thing, and when I get that fixed, I'll come to church. No, it'll never happen. Bring your stuff Bring it all, your addictions, your anger, your issues, whatever it is, bring it with you. Because remember what Jesus told the Pharisees? Did he tell them to polish and spit, spit shine the outside of the cup first? No, he says, you get the inside right and pay attention, the outside's going to be clean. That will become clean too. That's why we tell people, you come, let God clean the heart on the inside of you, and then you'll begin to notice you and the world around you suddenly begins to be fresh and clean. Why? Is it because of something you've done? No, nothing really other than you chose Jesus. That God knew you and chose you, that he says, now I've chosen you, now come near. You can take steps to get closer. I'll tell you this, that when we allow ourselves to be clean and you keep that pure heart, the Bible says out of that pure heart, I think, develops maturity. That maturity inside of us shows itself on the outside, just like the cup. That's a powerful image of change. If you can, I was looking at some friends who went to a, a reunion this week. They went to a high school reunion. And they were laughing about, which if you think, what kind of haircut you had when you were graduating a senior in high school. Right? Not as much the guys from my generation, but some of you ladies, when I was in high school, y'all had the, I don't even know what, like they were teeth, like you had to turn sideways to go through the door, big hair, right? But I challenge you today, if, if I stood you up here, we could put you now and you for me in 1993 when I graduated high school and you judged one by the other. See, the Bible, the Bible tells us that, that, I've, that all the things I've done, I've been made clean. That I, that I hopefully have matured. It's why we have on the door that hopefully in those years since 93 to now, I've taken some steps to get closer to God, to draw near to God. Hopefully that means I've become more mature. And as I've become more mature, then it's manifested itself on the outside of you see a difference. People outside see a difference in me. 
That's again why we don't tell people to get clean first and then come. We tell people to bring it with you. Again, remember, and I give you the verse again in Matthew 23, you blind Pharisee, before you worry about the outside, take care of the inside. If the pure heart are going to see God, then he didn't say the pure on the outside are going to see God. He didn't say those with the, that are all buffed and shined and gleaming are going to see God on the outside. He said the ones on the inside whose heart's been made new, who have the purity of heart, those are the ones who are going to see God. There was a, a, a show, I don't know, it's been about a month ago, it was one of the car shows, and um, this guy got hoodwinked. He went online and bought some classic car, and it turns out that the show, outside of the car had been perfectly restored, and he paid some astronomical price for some car, and he goes to get it. What do you think was missing? The engine. He had brand new tires and rims, and the chrome was polished, and it was, it was nice. The inside of the car was finished. He had everything but the engine, and the guy never told him. Doesn't include an engine. See, I think a lot of that's what we do. We, we prepare this thing for God. God, look, look. Yeah, but there's no heart in it. There's nothing to make it run. There's, you've not done anything to the inside. We can paint and, and polish and, and buff chrome, but unless that engine's in there, okay, God, well, I'll put an engine. Yeah, but now you've got to let me mess with it. Let me tune it up. Let me make it pure. Let, let me, um, if you work around here at all, you volunteer, work with our Dean team, um, and I know this drives Melanie nuts sometimes, but um, there are things when I, when I, when I find a process that we're doing or a, a flow of information or the way things work, in my mind, I can see, I'll see one thing that, like, we need to fix that. Not the whole thing, but we need to tweak that. And I'm not always thinking, okay, if I tweak this, what's it going to do down the line? Like, if we tweak this in the nursery, it'll make it awesome. Yeah, but it's going to make the nursery drinks miserable. You know, Melanie reminds me. So I'm constantly looking... I think God, though, does sometimes want, want to pull in and lean in close and go, you got all this, this is working, but let's, let's fix this one little part. Let's fix this. You're, you're wanting to, me to help me to make you pure, but you won't let God inside that area of, of your life. And again, last week with mercy and this week now with this, I'm like, oh, okay, God. You know, I don't like you messing with it. I can mess with it, but you, I don't want you to mess with it. Paul writes Timothy and says this, I have an instruction for you, and the purpose of my instruction is that the believers would be filled with love. You've got a purpose. You need to be full of this. Some of you are full of some stuff, but not this. You need to be full of this. And he said it's going to come as a result. Here's that word again. The pure heart. A, con a clear conscience and a genuine faith. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this and read a pure heart and a clear conscience. And the Bible says that of my conscience, of, of my sins and my mess, that God can take me from an unpure heart and a not clear conscience to what? A pure heart and a clear conscience. Again, I'm not asking you to be perfect. 
If perfect was the game, none of us would be playing. If perfect got to, well, you got to be perfect and live all your life perfect. If you can't, you can't come near me. Well, then we all might as well just tap out and go home and, and fire up the grill, start cooking dinner because we're not going to get there. But he said, I know you can't. That's why I'm giving you this. So you're going to be filled with love, and that love is going to flow out of when you let me make you pure, when you let me make you clean, when you, when you operate on a genuine faith. A pure heart has outward results. A pure heart on the inside, when we're honestly pursuing that and say, okay, God, it's not right, but help me make it right, should show up on the outside. So now I want to give you something. Actually, ushers, you can do your thing. Y'all can come on back. I'm, I'm going to get through this quick. I want to give you something. <clears throat> I'm going to give you three ways. Because the Bible says, the Bible says if, if Clint comes and I've messed up, I've sinned, that I can go to God and say, God, I need you to forgive me. I repent. I need your grace and your mercy. The Bible literally says that my heart is made clean. He removes my sin away from me as far as the east and from the west. And he sees me. God sees me through that lens. I believe at that moment, God sees me as pure. The problem comes when I begin to get outside of his will and I begin to pick up life and make bad decisions and pick up dirt. Well, I pick up dirt, I need to come back in and, and God says, okay, I'm going to clean you up again. Let's try this again. So I'm going to give you three things real, real quick that actually start with the word quick that you can do to maintain a pure heart. So that when we drift and we pick up some dirt and say, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to come back. I'm going to make better decisions. So I'm going to give you three, three things. The first thing is you need to be quick to believe. Quick to believe God is who he says he is. The Bible says in Luke 24, and this is the message paraphrase version, it says, then he said to them, so you thick-headed people. Anybody ever told your kids this? Stubborn, thick-headed. I've told you what to do. You're still not doing it. You're slow-hearted. And he says, why can't you just simply believe? Don't try to explain it. I know more people that have talked themselves out of faith simply by trying to overanalyze and think, i got to be able to explain it all. No, you don't. The Bible just says you got to believe. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, that be careful, dear brothers and sisters, make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, because when they are, they turn you away from the living God. We turn ourselves away because we think, i got to explain this. i got to explain why, why this happened, why this happened, or what does this mean in the Bible, and I don't understand it. And I'm going to be honest with you, there's lots of stuff in the Bible I don't understand either. But the Bible, doesn't, the Bible says, I gain understanding and wisdom, but God gives me the faith to believe. So when I believe... As God wants us to have that information and that wisdom, he starts opening it up to us. Oh, that's what that means. I've been reading the Bible for most of my life, and there's still times when I open it and go, that's what that is? Really? All these years and I didn't see that? God begins to open it up. So be quick to believe. The second thing is that you're quick to forgive. We've talked about this one a lot. That you're quick to forgive because not forgiving doesn't hurt you. I mean, it doesn't hurt them, it hurts you. Thinking you're going to change somebody 
um, or show somebody that you're right and it's going to get them by not forgiving, by holding something against them, is again like setting yourself on fire and expecting them to die from the smoke inhalation. It's, it just doesn't work. And where our heart gets all bitter, and that Paul actually writes that in Ephesians 4, it says, get rid of all the bitterness, rage, harsh words, slander. I was doing that this week. I was working with a company. I'm like, y'all aren't doing what you're supposed to be doing. We need to fix this. And I hear Melanie in the hallway, show them mercy. Like, they don't deserve mercy. They deserve a swift. But the Bible says that in bitterness and rage and anger and harsh words and slander, as well as all types of just evil behavior. He goes on and says, instead, I'm telling you, this is just, it's not rocket science, but to us, sometimes it, it seems like it is. Be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. And you need to forgive them just as what? As God forgave you. And I believe this is why God says this. There's a proverb that says this. He's talking about the pure heart. He says, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it determines the direction of your life. This is so true. I know both Christians and non-Christians who, if you look at their life, when you see the bitterness, the anger, the unforgiveness, and it takes over their lives, you can see. I've watched Christians. <clears throat> I've been doing this now for some form for 23 years. I've watched Bible-believing Christians following God get hurt, get offended, get in unforgiveness, and before you know it, their life just does this. They just turn. Some of you might be watching online today. You're not sitting in a building like this because you're mad at God. You're mad at people, and you let the thing that directs your life get hard and dirty and unpure with those bad decisions, and your life is turned away from God because you weren't quick to forgive, because you didn't guard your heart. And number three, why don't you stand with me as we give you this one. So it's quick to believe quick to forgive and the last one is that you're quick to repent please don't make this a religious word this is not a you know like repentance is some I gotta crawl on my knees and beat myself up repentance is this easy we teach it to the kids we teach it to the youth repent is simply this I was going this way it's the wrong way I know it's the wrong way God showed me it's the wrong way repentance is I just changed direction the good thing about repentance is the Bible says it never runs out. You don't get it right this time, get it right next time. Keep trying. If there's one thing I can tell you when you're walking through something, it's this. Don't quit. You're, you're going to mess up. You're going you're gonna to take the, the dirt of life and get it all over you and become unpure and feel like life's just a mess. The Bible says if you're quick to repent, that God cleans you up. Look what the book of Acts says. Now repent of your sins, turn to God so that your sins, not you, but your sins may be wiped away. Some of you know this. I don't know why this week, maybe just as Christians, I 
I was doing it for me, and as some of you have been serving God for a long time, maybe you just need to be reminded. Maybe you're watching this later online, and you just need to be reminded of this. It's that a thing you hate your parents to say to you as a kid, you know better, right? right. Well, yeah, I did, but I did it anyway. Yeah, but you know but I know I know better, but I did it anyway. But you know better. I think this is what they were trying to tell us. Look at this. This is in Revelation. In the book of Revelation, there's letters written to churches, and this is written to a, a church. And if you look at this in the Bible, it's red. Red means Jesus is actually saying this. It says, go back to what you heard and believed first. You were taught all this stuff, and now you've stuck all this dirt and other stuff and bad ideas and, and false religion and, and selfishness and all this other stuff is stuck to it. And you can't even remember what it was that you were told first. Jesus, forgiveness, repentance. And he says, hold to it firmly. Repent and turn to me again. But he says, now here's the issue. And I don't say this to scare you. I say this because this is the reality of truth with a capital T. And he says, if you don't, I'm going to come just like a thief in the night and it's going to be too late. That's why I think the Bible says, hey, a pure heart's going to see God. Not to put pressure on you, because you know if, the, if you've got a pure heart and you're living under the washed blood of Jesus, then you don't have to worry about it. He comes. You ought to be excited. But the Bible says there is an end result to not believing, to not being saved. Is I'm coming, and you're not going to be ready. See, I think we make choices as Christians to do this. And it goes both directions. To run away. Sadly, we run away from God. We, that's our choice. Instead of choosing to just run away from the bad decisions. To simply believe what we were taught as a, some of you as children. Some of you may this may be the first time that you can make a decision to run away, to walk away from the thing that's, that's making you feel dirty. And we'll close with this verse. You bow your head and close your eyes. I'm going to read this first, and then I'm going to pray. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 22, run from anything that stimulates this bad decisions, the useful lust, this, this, this flesh in you. And then he says, instead, pursue righteousness. We're talking about the Beatitudes now. Righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace. And then it says, oh, by the way, the way you're going to help keep your heart pure, and this is big for us, enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord, and they have pure hearts too. Go find yourself people who are doing what you want to be doing and go hang out with them. So my question to you this morning first is, if you don't know Jesus, it's a simple process of saying, God, I believe Jesus is who he says he is, he came to save me. His blood paid the price that I couldn't pay. For some of us, it's repentance. And for the third group of us, it's God, I need to find some people who have pure hearts, and I need to go hang out with them. Because if you hang out in a place that's dirty, a place of bad decision, what happens? Dirt, bad decisions. God, I thank you now for your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, for those in the room who don't know you, 
that they simply can pray this. God, I, I need you. I want you. Jesus, I receive you in my heart. I confess you with my mouth that you are Lord. God, I know you're faithful to, to save them and begin the work of cleaning them up. For those of us who know you, God, who need to say, I'm sorry, forgive me. God, you wash us clean. And God, we thank you for that now, that your goodness is literally running after us, literally chasing after us. And God, we thank you for it now. God, we thank you that you're coming for me and all of my mess to make me clean so that I can spend eternity with you. God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. If you made a decision, grab one of those cards in front of you. If you just need somebody to pray with you and say, I'm struggling with this, over to my right, your left. I think Pastor Bob and Tammy are over there today. Just go pray with them. Just say pray. You don't have to tell them anything. You just say pray with me. And they'll agree with you. Don't leave here today knowing you need somebody to join hearts with, to have a companionship. If you're not in a group, get in a group. Because the Bible says his goodness is chasing after us. We just have to be aware of it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let me bless you. Then we're going to sing one, one more song and we'll get out of here. God, I thank you in Jesus' name for your power, your mercy, your grace, and your goodness. God, we walk out of here today living in that, expecting it, Father God, and receiving it now. And God, we thank you for it now. In Jesus' name, that you come and have your way. Have your way in our lives, that your goodness and your grace and your mercy. God, it's coming. Your faith.